Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Hey, welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Terry Lepofsky from Ubiquity Leadership Coaches. We're here, as you've already heard, to help our listeners become more inspiring leaders. Well, I want to start with a little bit of gratitude today, a little announcement, as it were. Uh, recently, an organization that ranks podcasts, an organization called Listen Notes, ranked the Inspiring Leaders podcast in the top 3% of podcasts globally. That is fantastic welcome news, and I want to thank them for the work that they do in counting up all of the listens, all of the people that are clicking on these things, and I know it's a lot of work, but we sure do appreciate somebody going out there and tabulating all of this stuff. I also want to thank a few people who have been leaving some uh, feedback for us. And I want to read a little bit of this. So we got a little bit of feedback that's been coming in. Uh, Jay Barshop left this um, on October 1st. Terry and his guests provide some incredible, actionable, and compelling content, spotlighting the best practices and insights on how to become a better leader, and more importantly, a better overall person. Highly recommend listening and subscribing to the Inspiring Leaders podcast. That is fantastic, Jay Barshop. And I also just want to bring in another one here. It says, uh, let's see if I can get this one. This is from Clarice Gomez, left just a little while back. Terry, host of the Inspiring Leaders podcast, Leadership Stories with Impact, highlights all good aspects and more in this can't miss podcast. The host and expert guests offer insightful advice and information that is helpful to anyone that listens. I want to thank you guys very much for that kind of feedback. That's the kind of stuff that keeps us going. Anybody who knows me knows that I don't get paid to do this. I do this because I love it. I think this is my PhD in leadership, getting to bring in fantastic guests and learning from them. And today, it's all about the evolution of leadership, finding ourselves over time, where we are today as leaders, where we should be looking, what we should be doing now that we know what's changed in our world and locating ourselves temporally within that. We want to find out how effective leadership is different today than when it was in the past and what leadership 4.0 is really all about. Now, in order to do that, we have a guest that I want to introduce you to in just a few seconds. Our guest is a leadership contemplative. He's a thought leader in the space of leadership, has been for years. He's earned his stripes in a big way. And he's the author of one of my favorite, all-time favorite leadership books called Building Organizations, 
that leap tall buildings in a single bound. And I actually have five copies of the book right here. And I'm going to be giving away five copies of this book for free for people who contact us and write in. And I'll tell you how to do that. Not yet, but a little bit later in the show. So hang in there. If you want a free copy of Ron's book, um, building organizations that leap tall building, tall buildings in a single bound, a fantastic read. And I've got to say, uh, something that really influenced me. Okay. So there we are. And I want everybody who's listening live and is watching this on our live streaming right now, uh, hit the, hit those comment buttons, hit the, um, uh, the like buttons and join me if you will, in welcoming our guest, Ron Weens to the show. Ron, it is so good to have you here today. Great to see you, my friend. It's really, really good to have you here on the Inspiring Leaders Show. It's great to be with you, Terry. And the pleasure is mine. This lifelong passion of mine has been organizational performance and uh, leadership. And any time I get a chance to talk about it, uh, I get excited. <laughs> I, I have to say, man, I am just feeling the energy right now. I'm feeling really good about having you on the show. And a lot of people won't know exactly what I'm talking about, but you've been a mentor of mine, whether you've known it or not, for many years. Uh, you, I remember meeting you several years back, and uh, I just realized that the the message that you're putting out to the world, the work that you're doing out there, it resonated with me in a huge way. And it was actually something that I believe very deeply in. So when I picked up your book and started reading it, I got to tell you, this is one of the things that has probably influenced me and shaped the way that I approach leadership coaching and executive coaching more than almost anything else. So you've been hugely influential in my life, Ron. So it's really good to have you. Well, your words are very kind, Terry. Thank you. You've earned it, my friend. You're you're uh, you're somebody that I've looked up to. You're a mentor of mine, whether you knew it or not. <laughs> so uh, your your insights and perspective, I think, when it comes to uh, leadership, are definitely at top shelf, right at the leading edge of this whole thing. And I believe that um, you've gained a lot of that experience from working as a turnaround expert for huge organizations around the world. You'd go in, if I remember this correctly, and I don't want to uh, describe this in uh, in terms that are not correct here, so stop me if I'm wrong, Ron, but you are brought in to diagnose organizational issues and then uh, find goals and actions that can help get them back on track and moving forward. Does that describe it pretty well? That describes it uh, very well. Uh, I would say for the, for the first, uh, I had the good fortune of starting my career in the IT industry in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And I say good fortune because that was a precursor to the 4.0 world. And my turnaround practice started by, a, uh, I was called in to turn around failed IT projects, which there was no shortage of. Oh, yeah. The failure rate was in excess of 70%. And uh, I learned a lot of things doing that. That got translated into organizational performance. And the second half of my career was doing exactly what you said. Let me do uh, one thing real quickly here. I'm going to bring in your website here. And I just want to uh, maybe talk about this a little bit because this is your website. If anybody wants to get in touch with Ron, check out his website, ronweens.com. 
appropriately enough, right? What else would it be called? Uh, so there's, there's our good, what a good looking shot of you there, by the way, <laughs> how do you do that thing with your hand that's coming off for those people who are listening by uh, audio? I strongly encourage you get in touch with our, uh, live streaming video podcast, find ways to watch the podcast where you can see what's going on because we share stuff on here and we have live interaction with our audience, but here's Ron's website and there's a part on here. Here's some of the organizations that, uh, that you work with. So this is no slouch. You're working with global organizations. You've worked with, uh, federal governments. You've, uh, you've been all over the place. The thing I wanted to point out, well, actually while we're doing this, as long as bandwidth, uh, allows, um, here's your book, Building Organizations That Leap Tall Buildings in a Single Bound. Um, I love how you talk about emotional intelligence. You talk about relationship tele- intelligence. And um, I call it organizational intelligence, but I think in your book, you called it uh, corporate intelligence. So there we have your book. Uh, but the one thing that I wanted to point out to people is on this tab over here, white papers, Ron's white papers. Let me tell you, uh, folks, if you want to become a better leader, if you want to up your A game, check out the white papers. Ron, I swear you are, uh, you, you're, uh, <laughs> you like punishment. Look at all the writing this guy does, guys. Uh, common understanding, connecting to cause, customer satisfaction, damn the ideas. This is just a treasure trove of white papers. And what were you telling me a little earlier about your white papers, Ron? Oh, the, the white papers are, are, you can access them freely. You, you don't have to leave a, a, your firstborn or fingerprints. You, you, you download them and there's no, there's no place for you to leave a, a name, a number. There's no contact. I just... I learned early in life that uh, knowledge is like fertilizer. It's no good unless you spread it around. <laughs> knowledge is like fertilizer. It's no good if you're not spreading it around. I love it. <laughs> you're, you've got a, such a great way of, of describing things. Um, we're here to talk about Leadership 4.0. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, we're going to get into it in just a second. But before I do, there's this way that we love to start our podcast, Ron. Got to ask you this question, which we ask everybody out there. Okay. Who or what inspires Ron Weens? Okay, good question. Well, there are many individuals that I am in awe of and that I le- learned to I look to learn from, you know, because of their accomplishments, their intellect, their creativity. But what inspires me is not an individual. It's, it's sort of a group of people. And, and these are just your everyday uh, 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 ordinary person. Uh, they are struggling with the challenges of life that, uh, like most of us, they there's for them, just like us, there's not enough hours in the day to get everything done that needs to get done. But somehow they find time to give to others. They volunteer at a homeless shelter, uh, a food bank. They volunteer at a nursing home. They go in and make, make a senior's day a little brighter. They coach a, a children's um, a sports team. Yeah. And uh, the common thread is they give their time to people 
that are often, they have no connection with. Uh, they view all of humanity as family. These people not only inspire me, they give me hope for our species. For if we are to survive as a species, surely it's because we have offered a helping hand to each other. So that's who inspires me. Right. Okay. This, you know, this is interesting that you say this because I think what you're talking about is um, the people who have a purpose in life, right? Because that's what, that's well what this said. is all about is when we're creating a benefit for other people, whether we know them or not, when yes. we're helping other people to improve their lives, improve their position, you know, whether it's at work or in sports or, or wherever it might be, this is just such a, a rich way to go. And, um, and, and I think what you're describing there is that that is inspiring in itself. When we have a purpose, when we're trying to expend our time and our effort to make the lives of other people better, uh, it is such a, a rich way to go. And thank you so much for that, Ron. This is really great. Um, let's talk about the evolution of leadership. And before we, we shine a light on this leadership 4.0, um, Let's. I know that you and I have talked a little bit about this before, about what came before Leadership 4.0. Uh, maybe what we can do is just kind of, will you take us through a little, maybe yep. a quick high-level exploration of where we've been? Because I, when I was growing up, it was all about command and control and leadership. Yep. It, so it let's, yeah, let's let's talk about this a little bit. Okay, so I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll give you the history, and then take you into the future. Uh, so, uh, we are in the fourth industrial revolution now. Before I explain that, let's explain the first three. Uh, the first industrial revolution we're all familiar with was driven by steam. And uh, the outcome of that was the, mechaniz the mechanization of work. The second industrial revolution uh, was the introduction of electricity and the, and the introduction of electric motors uh, to the factory floor. And the impact of this was uh, um, mass production on a grand scale. And then the third industrial revolution, which uh, started in the mid 20th century, was the introduction of computing. And for the first 50 years, this resulted in the, the automation of the back office and the automation of, of the factory floor. And uh, all three of those used leadership 1.0 or steam age uh, uh, a leadership. Leadership really didn't evolve beyond the command and control that you were talking about, which was defined and delineated in the age of, of steam. What's also interesting about the first three industrial revolutions is they reduced organizations, or, organizations' dependence on human capital. The fourth industrial revolution is about to change that. Now, uh, the fourth industrial a revolution, the driving force is the electronic connection that exists, the internet. Uh, and the impact of, of this electronic connection is the growth of knowledge uh, in 1935. And the, and the growth of knowledge is dramatic. Oh, yeah. Uh, 1935, the doubling rate of knowledge was 35 years. That if you were working in an organization, the knowledge that you had to pay attention to because your competition was paying attention to it and they may see something that you don't was doubling every 35 years. So at a leisurely pace. 1975, the doubling rate of knowledge was down to about seven years. 
And in the year 2000, uh, Nick Bondis out of McMaster University predicted that by 2010, the doubling rate of knowledge would be 11 hours. Uh, I don't know if we achieved that, but we, what we, we have achieved is the doubling rate of knowledge is now exponential. Yeah. You go and take a day off and come back at a doubling rate of knowledge of a half a day, your world has quadrupled. So every day you're not paying attention, your world uh, uh, quadruples. Now, and it used to be that knowledge is power, that if I knew something you didn't, that gave me a cons considerable competitive advantage. That's Yeah, that's what everybody's there. been saying, right? Knowledge yep. is power, yeah. Uh, anything I know, the world will know and be ahead of me in, in a couple of months. The, the, the shelf life of knowledge is approaching that of a banana. Okay. <laughs> the shelf life of knowledge is approaching that of a banana. Of a banana. I love that. Yeah. But the power of knowledge is to take knowledge from different people and combine it in a new way to create new knowledge. Yes. Knowledge equals, within the knowledge, there are opportunities. Opportunities that as an organization, I need to pay attention to if I want to stay in business. Yes. And if knowledge is increasing exponentially, the opportunities to, to take my business to new places is also in, increasing uh, exponentially. Yeah. So the, in the 4.0 world, which is, which is the world of exponential knowledge, the competitive advantage lies in the ability of the organization to mine that knowledge and see the opportunities before your competition does. Yes. Now, talking about management and, and leadership, the days of the all-seeing, all-knowing manager are over. Command and control, if it ever worked, required the managers to be all-seeing, all-knowing. But you go and hire a new recruit fresh out of college or university and uh, bring them into your shop. In six months, if not less, that green recruit knows more than you do as a 20-year manager for that part of the coalface that she or he is responsible for. That's the impact of exponential increase in knowledge. Now, there's a nice bit of alignment going on here. Uh, we have the most educated workforce in the history of the, of the human Very race. true. Yeah. Our organizations are filled with knowledge workers. So here we have uh, uh, this alignment is that we have this runaway expansion of knowledge at the same time we have a workforce within our organizations capable of mining that knowledge and using it to the organization's benefit. And how do they use it? They use it to generate new value. The prosperity of the organizations can be reinterpreted. The comp competitive advantage today of, 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 of organizations can be restated as the ability to create new value on a continuous basis. The fourth industrial revolution, the impact, the impact of the fourth industrial revolution, which is a knowledge rev of a revolution, is the continuous creation of new knowledge. Now, this change, this has a huge impact on, on how we manage and lead. Because if the creation of new value is the key, that requires creativity. And so the manager's job now, the leader's job is to build an environment that fosters the creativity of, of the organization. So, so now you need to understand creativity. In creativity, you have the individual creativity, but the creativity goes up substantially when you put two or more people into a room 
And if they can share their knowledge, if they can share their insight, if they can expose their thinking, you get runaway creativity. But there's a rub. For me to expose my thinking to my colleagues requires me to trust, requires me to trust my, uh, um, um, my colleagues. The level of trust that exists within an organization is a predictor of an organization's success in, in, the, in the 4.0 world. Now, how do you build trust? Well, steam age leaders, 1.0 leaders, which yeah. I, I would not hesitate to say are the majority of leaders today. I would agree, yeah. Unfortunately, but yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. Focus on maximizing the performance of the individual. Steam age leaders have the philosophy that the whole is equal to the sum of its parts. You can assign out the work, have people do the work, bring it back to get both it back together and you'll be success. And, and, and that philosophy is the reason why the IT industry had a failure rate of 70%. Yeah. Now, 4.0 leaders. Oh, by the way, if you hear the phrase, if you hear this phrase in your organization, you are a steam age organization. And the, and the phrase you'll hear, we all have a job and we all do our job well, we will succeed. That's a steam age view because that is a view in which the whole is the sum of the pieces. <clears throat> now, 4.0 leaders. Yeah, by the, by the way, before you mention that, I think what you just talked about is one of the reasons why we have these organizations that are seeing this revolving door of people coming in and going out. Yes. And and they're trying to figure it out. Well, they should listen to Ron Weens because I think that you just described one of the biggest problems that a lot of people are creating for themselves in organizations. Uh, yeah, and that's why the IT industry was, was, was uh, a forerunner of the 4.0 world because back in, in the mid-70s, uh, when you hired people, they expected a promotion every six months. They expected a raise every six months. They expected, get this, back in the mid-70s, the IT workers expected meaningful work. Uh, and if you didn't provide it, they would leave. And within 24 hours, they would have a job at more pay across the street, which yeah. is a forerunner of where we are, 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 are today. Now, 4.0 leaders still work at you're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. When, 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 when something new happens, you don't discard the old. So rigorous management, rigorous holding people accountable is still part of the equation. But 4.0 leaders, in addition to managing the individual, manage the performance of the team. And managing the performance of the team means building trust. Yeah. Okay, now comes the hard part. Building trust means managing the space, the ether, between people. So you go from managing just the tangible to managing the intangible. And okay. another word for that ether is culture. So 4.0 leaders create high performance cultures. Now, and, and a high performance culture is one that has an extraordinary level of trust. And how do you go about doing that? Well, from my, my work in turnarounds, in yeah. innovative organizations and where innovation was the key to success, there were three parameters. There were three attributes of a team uh, that had high trust. Uh, the first one is the members of the team believed in themselves. Okay, right. They had yeah. high self-esteem. And what does high self-esteem does do for you? It does two things. It allows me to put up my hand and ask for help. And that's key in, in a rapidly moving world. 
but it enables me to expose my thinking. If I believe in myself, I can expose my half-baked idea. And when my colleagues tear it down, I'm not threatened. Now, the second attribute of, of, of a high-performance team, a, a team with trust, is you build a team in which people care about each other. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they're and, a team. And, yeah. And Gene Autry, a former CEO of the Publishers Group, <coughs> he has a favorite quote of mine. Yeah. And he said, I need to know that you care before I care to know what you know. Okay. Right. And uh, <clears throat> if I know that you care about me, well, then I know I can trust you. I can expose my thinking to you. And the third one is common cause. Is, is, is the leaders need to build cause within, with, within people, a passion for a common outcome. Uh, because this gives me a couple of things, is that if I'm passionate about the outcome, I have courage. And if it's a common outcome, then my success becomes your success. Charles Handy, who's a favorite author of mine, he said, it's the leader's responsibility to create cause. If, if people work for you for pay, you get self-serving, selfish behavior. Yeah. Now, and, and what happens is when you have these three attributes, belief in self, belief in others, belief in the organization, right across your team, the culture you get is quite extraordinary. Uh, you get a culture in which people care more about the success of the whole than individual success. Yeah, that's a key right there. That's yep. a huge key. Uh, because I, I, when most of the organizations that I've worked with over the years, uh, the problem seems to be that everybody cares too much about their own individual success. They're withholding information. They're, they're not working with other people to build new information, to build new ways of doing things, to innovate. And if we're looking at the most successful organizations that have really made a difference in the business world in the last 10 years, for sure, um, Uber, Airbnb, Amazon, um, Apple, what, what these guys are doing is they're not the people that have the information. They're the people who are creating the information. And the only way to do that is to work, as you said, as a team, mm -hmm. you know, bringing people together, which, you know, you talk about leadership 4.0. So this is, this is really what the leader's job is then, right? Yeah. Is to create the, the set the stage so that this type of an interaction can happen. Precisely, precisely. Um, Typically, with this culture, over yeah. the years, when I've, when I've had to go and do a turnaround, and when I got a culture in which people cared about the su success of the whole, the impact was extraordinary to the point of I would shake my head every single time and say, this is not believable, yeah. is I would typically double or triple the performance of the organization just by changing the culture. This, 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 this fluffy, uh, tree-hugging word culture has... <laughs> huge impact a positive it can have a huge positive impact on on the bottom line yeah what is key here is 
when people care about the whole, they still have individual objectives. You're not, once again, you're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Is when you're on my team, you will have individual objectives that you are responsible for and you will be held accountable for. But you have a second set of objectives, and that's the success of everyone else's objectives. So you're working on your own objectives and you're contributing where you can to, to the to the to the success of others. Um, there's a problem. And there's a problem if you look at the history of the previous industrial revolutions, yeah. it takes about 40 to 50 years for organizations to realize they need to change. Yeah. Uh, they'll go get the technology. They will go get it like in computing. Uh, the economic studies in the late 80s showed that computers actually had a negative impact on the organization's ROI. Really? Uh, I didn't know that. Yes. Robert Serlo, uh, yeah. uh, the Nobel uh, economist, published that, that study in 1987. And a second study in, in the 90s said, why is this? And the answer to the question. The answer to the question is buying the technology is the easy part. What to get the in the benefit of, 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 of the technology, you have to change your organization. And that cost is 10 times the cost of buying the technology. And the same is true of the 4.0 world. Saying I want trust is easy. You have to change your organization in ways that allows that to happen. And one of the changes that needs to happen is how we measure leaders. Yeah. Uh, and that's going to take me more time than we have available. But I recommend if you are interested, you can look at my paper on my website called The Measure of a Manager. And also my paper, It Takes 50 Years. That will go into more detail. But I want to leave you with a quote. I want to leave you with a quote. Oh, please. Yes. And uh, it's by Alvin Toffler, Toff, uh, 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 a futurist. And he says, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. Uh -huh. The role of the 4.0 leader is to build the creative environment that allows the whole to be substantially more than the sum of its parts. Oh, I love that. Um, my, my way of thinking of what, about what you were just talking about, Ron, is the, the 4.0 leader and, and stop me if I'm wrong on this, but, um, using my own terminology, I guess you could say the 4.0 leader manages the space between people. Yes. And I, I think I may, if I'm very honest, I may be actually stealing some of that terminology from you. Please do. From, <laughs> from our previous conversations, from, uh, from white papers that you've written, uh, like I said, you're thinking on things based on real life experience with uh, the world's leading organizations, your, the turnarounds that you've provided, getting them out of the hole that they've created for themselves by focusing so much on, uh, you know, operational uh, improvements and technological uh, innovation, but ignoring the interaction between people and how folks should be coming together to create this new information and the leader's role being that person who sets that stage for it. I'll give you uh, I, one paradox is changing culture is, is going to be important in the 4.0 world. And yeah. culture is what happens between people. 
And so most organizations say changing culture means I have to change my people. That will have an impact, will have a minor impact. You want to change culture, you change your organization's processes. Your organization's processes have the huge impact on what your culture, uh, uh, the culture that will emerge. Yeah, yeah. I love this topic, Ron. Um, to me, this is the heart and soul of what it is that uh, inspires me to be an executive coach, to work with leaders all over the world. And um, I can attest to, from my own experience, just how valid this perspective is. This really is the, the secret issue that's been right under our noses the whole time and continues to be. And it's only those organizations that actually start getting this and thinking this through and getting their people to start, like you said, putting their hand up and saying, okay, I have the self-confidence. I have the belief in self to be able to say, I'm not perfect here. I got to work on a few things. And I do need to do a better job of connecting with those other folks within my team or my group or outside of our group, whatever it might be. So this is really, really vital stuff, super important stuff. Um, I want to add, there's a couple other questions I want to ask you if that's okay, if we can get sure. to this. Um, the first one is because our show is called the inspiring leaders podcast. Uh, I know that we've got to ask this question to you. What does inspiring leaders mean to you or ins inspirational leadership mean to you? Okay. I love the question. And I, I'm going to quote another favorite author of mine. Sure. Uh, Frederick Bushner. And, and, and Frederick is an American writer, a poet, a theologian. And I, I have a quote from him that goes to the heart for me of what inspired uh, uh, leadership is. Permit me. There are different kinds of voices calling me to different kinds of work. The challenge is to find the voice of my spirit rather than the voice of my ego or self-interest. The place that my spirit calls me to is where my deep gladness and the world's deep needs meet. Inspired leadership for me is about organizing a team and getting them focused and having them doing good in the world. And doing good, good in the world, does it could be a commercial success. I, I had a client... 25 years ago now, and, and the client was a bakery in, in Latin America, yeah. a large bakery. They employed 50,000 people. Oh, that's uh, a big bakery. That's a big bakery <laughs> yeah. uh, at, at, at the time. And, um, and they're much larger today. And they had a very simple mission, quality products at a price people can afford. That was their mission. Yeah. And the leaders of this organization lived that mission. They organized 50,000 people to live that mission, and they ended up producing phenomenal products at a very reasonable price. They were doing good in their society, in their society, and they produced, they built a very successful commercial organization. Mm -hmm. So when you are driven by the spirit of, 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 of helping, doing something for our world, not excluding including wanting to be a commercial success, you only enhance the commercial success. You only make more certain that you will achieve that commercial success. So the role of the leader is to help put cause into the organization. And that cause always relates to how am I going to positively touch another human being? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's inspirational leadership. I, I have one more question for you, but before I do, I just want to bring a question in 
uh, to our show here, and I'll put it up on the screen. This comes from Ed Britton, who's listening on YouTube. He says, how will leadership 4.0 lead to structural change in the way work is organized? He says, I'm seeing more loose networks and less rigid hierarchies. You will have, you'll still have the hierarchies, but because we need insights from a broad range of people, we will have many more uh, 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 connections. Um, give you an example. Agile is a very popular word today. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants to be an agile organization. And, and, and people think agile means the ability to change quickly. No, uh, you, ha- you can have the ability to change quickly and that and $5 will get you a latte at Starbucks. Um, <laughs> what is the what is the good of being able to change quickly when you change to a spot and you get there and you find that there are ten other organizations who were there before you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we've lost your audio here, Ron. How's that? Yeah, that's better. Here we go. Okay, I'm a little too animated. I I hit my mute button. <laughs> um, agile means the ability to not only change quickly, but before that, the ability to see the future. Yeah, You have to see the future in order to know that you have to change. And typically what we've had uh, is we've had a group of strategic thinkers somewhere deep in the bowels of the organization. That's going to change. Every single team as a present day deliverable on a quarterly basis is going to have to say, based on the horizons that we've been looked at, we've been looking at, here are the changes that we forecast to our piece of the business over the next couple of years. Yeah. And, and, and so that, that strategy group is going to be being, go from being localized to being highly distributed throughout the organization. That's one small change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's good. And it, it's great to get this perspective. And um, I think that it actually speaks right to the heart of Ed's question here. Um, Let's see, where where are we at? I've got another question for you, and this one coming from me. I'm just wondering, Ron, you have this mountain of experience that has led to some of these, um, this clarity of thought, I would say. But I'm I'm wondering, do you have any advice that you might be able to offer our audience that are listening today and down into the future? I'm often told I have too much advice. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I love your advice. Okay, yeah. Um, the first one, I got four, four pieces, yeah. uh, uh, four elements to my advice. The first one is build courage. Build courage. Yeah. Your world is a world of constant change. And that means if you're a leader in that world, it means taking your organizations to new places on an ongoing basis. But before you can do that, you have to take yourself to new places on an ongoing basis. And that's your work, Terry. Is that's what you help people do? That's you exactly help people it. get uh, to new places. Yeah. And uh, I work with leaders all over the world, and and the young ones especially come to me and say, "Ron, I don't think I'm cut out to be a leader." I'll say, "Why?" I say, "Because I have these butterflies in my stomach." Mm-hmm. And I say, oh, "Welcome to leadership." What those butterflies are telling you is that you're pushing yourself. You're taking yourself to a new place. And those butterflies are your friend because if you ever stop feeling them, that means you're coasting. You're not doing your job as a leader. The second point I have is manage your, manage your ego. Make your team the heroes. Put your team on, 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 on center stage. Oh, great advice. And remember the manager's mantra. 
My job is not to deliver. I'll repeat that. The manager's mantra. My job is not to deliver. My job is to build the team that delivers. Oh, I love that. My job is not to deliver. My job is to build the team that delivers. Yes. If you ever yeah. have a man manager with a team success, it's because the manager is in the, is in the harness pulling out front. That's a manager you want to get rid of because that manager is doing more harm than good and in the end will cause great harm to your organization. Mm -hmm. The third piece is stand on the shoulders of others. Uh, there are no points for reinventing the wheel. Your job as a leader today is to see beyond, to see further than those who have gone before you. So one, get a mentor, someone who is where you want, to, is already where you want to be and learn from them. Second piece is read, 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 but read discriminately. Read authors uh, who were successful leaders and they're sharing with you the basis of that success. Um, an author like Max Dupree in, in, in his book, uh, Leadership is an Art or Leadership Jazz, or author, authors who are researchers who have done deep, rigorous, disciplined research, such as Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great. Yes. Final piece of advice. Okay. Show your, your humanity. Let people know you as a human being. Mm -hmm. We follow people because we know them. If we know them, we, we get to respect them. We get to trust them. Your, your people knowing you and, and not your rank is your potency as a leader. If you're relying on your rank to give you the qualities of, of leadership, you're going to wake up one day, look behind you, and there's no one following you. So that those are my thoughts. Love it. Absolutely love it. Value it and appreciate it. Uh, you talked about mentors. You've been a mentor of mine for a long time. I would strongly encourage anybody out here who really wants to get uh, to a better place as an organizational leader, as a people leader, to heed some of the advice that we've talked about here and to reach out to Ron uh, on his website, ronweens.com. Click on the white papers tab off on the right-hand side at the top. Uh, dig into some of those. I also mentioned earlier in the show, we've got five copies of Ron's book right here, and I want to give those away to anybody that might want a, a free copy of those. It'll be mailed off to you, regardless of where you're at in the world. I know that this show is going off to, you know, over 100 countries now. Um, so here's how you can do it. I'll put it up on the screen, but I'll also describe it uh, verbally for anybody who's listening just to the audio portion of this podcast. You want to get a free copy of Ron's book, write to us at info at executivecoaches.ca, info at executivecoaches.ca, because we're in Canada.ca. And the first five people who write in, of course, our inbox is going to tell us who those people are, and I'm going to make sure that you include your mailing address, and we'll get you a copy of Ron's fantastic book, which I absolutely love. The white papers are there for people. Um, they are going to be there for, for anybody who wants them free of charge. So we are just full of great information for people and uh, for anybody that wants to become a more inspiring leader. Ron, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the Inspiring Leaders podcast today. It's been incredible having you here. My mentor right beside me, folks, right over here. Um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did, Ron.
the conversation with with uh, you, Terry, is is always time well spent. Ah, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that very, very much. Um, let's see what do we have coming up for everybody in the next little while. We got lots coming up for you in two weeks from today. We're going to have a, a remarkable young man on the show, the CEO of Peace by Chocolate, Tarek Hadhad, from um, another Canadian, which, by the way, he just became a Canadian uh, just not that many days ago. Uh, you will not believe the story that Tarek has to speak about. Uh, not only is he, is he the CEO of Peace by Chocolate, Yes, I said chocolate. We're going to bring something sweet and yummy in for December on December 1st. But Tarek is also um, an international peace advocate. He has a fantastic story uh, right up there with what we've just heard from Ron. And we're going to be bringing him in onto that as well. So that's coming up for everybody in the next little while. Um, we want to thank everybody who's been leaving comments for us, all those people who are tuning in on this. So if you are out there and you're part of this, I want to thank you for your courage in becoming a better leader in, uh, doing what's best for you. So thank you everybody for that. Thanks for joining us today. I want everybody out there to be safe. You take care and bye for now.